Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. I'm your host, Jake Diemer. Today, we have two guests. One we've had on before, and one is brand new. They are Mike and Nick. Welcome, guys. What's going on? Thanks for having us, Jake. All right, so Nick, you, you have to do better than Nate normally does. Oh, well, that's not a tall order to ask for then. <laughs> no, he does a great job. I love my brother. So let's get into it. Uh, biggest upset. Mike, we'll lead off with you. Okay. I mean, outside of uh, you and JC tying the league median, which I don't think that's – it. I mean, it hasn't happened all season. So, that, I mean, not really an upset. So, matchup-wise, I got to go with Sam beating JC. Um I know Sam a couple weeks not a couple weeks ago. Yeah, a couple weeks ago he what he uh kind of decided to do a little bit of a rebuild, sell some of his guys, but his team's been inconsistent, but when it's on, I mean he's one of the top teams out there week to week basis. Um you know, JC the past four weeks, I think his record's been two and six. So yeah, I got Sam over JC and I think for also JC a big upset is you know losing Trevor Bauer for however long that's going to be I know that's a big loss for him that's his ace that's his guy uh yeah JC definitely seems like he's in a little bit of a rut so hopefully he gets past it Nick I had the same one for my biggest upset of the week, Sam, it's week pullout hitter over JC. JC hashtag $50 by 2022. And uh, I, I saw a lot of the same things that Mike was sharing. You know, Sam's team was led by a big uh, one good start or a pretty darn good start and one really great start by Herman Marquez for his team. And that really propelled things for his team getting kicked off um, just on a high note at the beginning of the week and it carried through throughout the rest of the week, kind of dominating the match. And, uh, you know, JC's team took a big hit, not just with the Trevor Bauer news, but world is Chapman just really going downhill fast. Um, he might, <laughs> the way he's going downhill, he might be on the waiver wire sooner, sooner than later. Uh, I did have a, an honorable mention. I could talk about since Mike already shared about the Sam over JC, but I know you're still going to share your thoughts, Jake. So I don't want to take anything away. Yeah. Well, keeping with the tradition of me and my co-host, or in this case, co-hosts, having the exact same biggest upset. I also had this one. I don't really have much more to add. Uh, yeah, Sam's kind of coming around here and might be able to sneak into the playoffs. But uh, let's go with biggest takeaway. Nick, I'll throw it back to you for this to lead us off here. Well, I'll go back to Sam's team. I think the biggest takeaway uh, that I had is despite his team being a seller or at least coming off that way, uh, it might not be one of those top contending teams, but it's clearly – and it's not his aim to be a contending team, being a seller. His team is still very capable of doing some real damage in the league, which makes it a lot of fun to watch. You know, it's not just an easy week win for the teams that are trying to contend for a playoff uh, spot. I think his team is definitely one of the teams, if not the only team of the quote sellers that would give me pause of being confident of uh, an auto win for the week. And actually, unfortunately, I'm facing his squad this next week. And I expect it to be a pretty tightly contested uh, week. Yeah, Sam's team is interesting. It doesn't seem like, even though he sold a lot of his players, it doesn't seem like he's really uh, at the same level as some of the other sellers. But, Mike, what was your biggest takeaway? 
Um, so my biggest takeaway is, you know, anything can happen. Um, but I think the top six teams that you see on the standings right now, I think those are the clear cut. I don't see them moving out of the playoff chase. I know my team's 13 and 13, uh, but I think overall my team's shown that it can have great weeks. Inconsistent at sometimes, but I definitely think, you know, also with Brendan's uh, struggles, the top six teams are right there, and it's the fight for those last two wild card spots. Yeah, I tend to agree with you that the top six teams kind of seem set set at this point, and we're really just looking at the wild card race. But my biggest takeaway oh, is that Mike is a could be a possible giant killer in the playoffs. Uh, he also scored in addition to the uh, high score that he had this week. He scored 330.5 points in week seven and 398.8 points in week three. And uh, while he might be inconsistent, uh, I think that the offense with the addition of Juan Soto is going to help his floor. I think that it, having a good offense really raises your your week-to-week floor because pitching f- tends to fluctuate a little more. So I think that, that yeah. the inconsistency might actually be a thing of the past now. And uh, I know one thing is for sure I would not want to – want to face him in the first round. So I'm hoping that you do not, you Mike, do not slip back to a wild card where that might happen. So, yeah, I think that uh, Mike's team could be a giant killer, really make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah, Mike, I'm sorry I, mean, I cut you off before. What did you have to say? No, no, no. I was going to say, no, I think the wild card chase is a, is a great one. I think you look at the teams, I, I know Scott, you know, he's got a long way to go. Uh, Eddie's been doing really great as of late. Um, Brendan, you know, he's struggling. So I think right now, if I had to guess, the two teams that have the best chance to make wild card is probably Jerwin and Sam. Honestly, in terms of how their team is built, is how it's structured, I, uh, I think Brendan's going to have to make some moves now if he wants that uh, spot still. So it's going to be interesting, I think, for the second half of the season. And that will segue that right into our wild card race update. And the get the first wild card is Brendan, the Sotoless Shuffle, but a 12 and 14 record. With the eighth with the eighth seed is Sam, who has rebranded as in quotes, JC wins comfortably. I think we gave him some bolt and board material last episode. And uh, he's 10 and 16. Right behind him is Jerowin Team Positivity, 9 and 17 kind of getting the tough luck loss this week for now, because there could be a stat correction and that just throws everything off. And then there is Eddie following up in the gone forever with nine and 17 record. So let's move on to uh, the trades. We only had one, but it was a big one. And it was Nate gives Shane Bieber, Trent Grisham and Tommy Edmond. Nick gives Matt Olson and Whit Merrifield. Uh, Nick, since you were in this trade, I'm going to save you for last. Mike, what were your thoughts on this one? I personally love this trade for Nick. I know that just talking with Nick throughout the season, and I'm sure a lot of others that have talked to him as well, he's been on the chase to get an ace, one of the top-tier aces, and Shane Beaver's certainly one of them, injured or not. Um and he's got that great keeper value as well. So, you know, giving up Matt Olson and Whit Merrifield does take a little bit of a hit on his offense. But 
Trent Grisham and Tommy Edmund are no slouches. And I think when you combine the points of the pair of them, I don't see Nick losing a ton of points for his offense. And where he's at in the standings with uh, playoffs, I mean, Shane Bieber comes back and he's all good to go. I This trade is a slam dunk, I think, for Nick personally. Um, I will say, though, that with Nate getting Matt Olson and Merrifield, uh, on paper, his offense is probably one of the top-tier ones. Uh, and I know he had the chance to sacrifice, I guess, Shane Bieber, considering his pitching staff now. So I think as of this very exact second, Nate might have won the trade. But I think Nick's pitching staff, not only this year, but next year in terms of keeping, I mean, I'll go right off the bat and say that I think he'll have the best pitching staff keeper-wise next year. So, Nick, great job. Love the trade. Thanks. Yeah, I tend to agree. I actually think that this was – it's interesting because this is a trade that I would have a tough time doing, but I absolutely love it. And I would say that from Nate's side, I I always have a tough time giving up a top-tier pitcher without getting one in return. But I think if there's one team that was kind of built to do it, uh, it was Nate's team. His pitching staff, he has a lot of studs there with Luis Castillo kind of coming around now that gives him some that gives him another one. Uh, he's still got John Means and Steven Strasburg kind of waiting in the wings to come back from the injured list. And I think this trade really solidifies his offense. And from Nick's side, I really like the pitching staff he's putting together. I, I think that he could afford the loss on offense, even though those are what Matt Olson and Whit Merrifield are two really good players. Uh, when you're getting back a pitcher of Shane Bieber's caliber, uh, that's that tends to always be worth it. And kind of like Mike mentioned, man, does his pitching staff look good next year? And that's that's going to be huge, I think, between Rod- Carlos Rodon, Trevor Rogers, uh, now Shane Bieber, and Framber Valdez. There's there's a lot of big names there that. I think that could give him a real advantage heading into next year. All right, Nick, since you were a member of this trade, what were your thoughts on it? Well, I obviously like the trade since I accepted it as part of the deal, of course. And you guys talked about the points very well. Um, I think on my side a lot, just like what you're getting to, Beavers, one of the top keepers, one of the top pitchers in baseball when healthy. Obviously, I really hope with this deal that he comes back sooner than later. Uh, I think he's the ace that my team really needs to kind of be, in my eyes, a really contending team. I've had, you know, I kind of have looking at my roster, a lot of good pitchers, but no pitcher that uh, can reach that top three, top five SP status. So I'd really like getting Bieber in that and uh, getting Grisham and Edmund. You know, those are two guys I think I can pretty much slot in most of any week without hesitation. But, you know, what you're pointing to, Jake, any team that could have given up Bieber, uh, for the guys that they got in return would be Nate's team as he is loaded in pinch, uh, pitching. And uh, he, he's getting some good quality guys back in return. Olsen has good keeper value, and he's also get uh, getting Wet Merrifield, who's just been solid as a rock and just racking up steals, uh, consistently putting up good numbers. So he's uh, you know adding two guys to his roster that he can put in his lineup without hesitation every single week. Um, so I think it just made a lot of sense on both ends. And uh, I hope it works out on my end as well, like I mentioned, just with Bieber's health. Yeah, good trade for both. I think that we we can all agree there. So moving on, we our, our segment this week is going to be mid-season awards. So we have a bunch of awards we're going to go through. 
uh, stuff like MVP, Cy Young, that sort of deal where we're kind of at the midpoint of the season. So uh, up to this point, we'll just sort of pick who we think deserves these awards. And I'll kind of, I'll explain what each one is as we get to it. So first up, we have fantasy MVP and my kind of instructions were to sort of just treat this as most valuable hitter so we can keep the hitters and pitchers separate. So Mike, we'll lead off with you. Who's your fantasy MVP to this point? Okay. So as much as I would love to say it's Shohei Otani, because what he's doing and what he's been doing all year is nuts. And I think it's great for baseball, but in terms of a hitter and MVP, I think there's one choice and that's Vlad Guerrero Jr. He, you know, we've all known the hype and the talent that he's had and he's finally arrived. He's, uh, he's, he's great, honestly. And I think if I'm, if I remember right, he's like 60 points ahead of the second first baseman in terms of overall points. He's right up there with the top pitchers in terms of points. I think what he's been doing this year is phenomenal. And he's, he's my overall pick. Yeah, I'll jump in because I had the same player. Uh, I, I did want to pick somebody else. I wanted to pick Otani as well, but that's going to be tough to do when Guerrero is the best hitter right now by over 40 points. He said the second overall player behind DeGrom in total points. And uh, I believe he's the only hitter in the top 10 overall. It's, it's just, it's hard to pick against that. And he's been, he's been fantastic this year, but Nick, did you have someone different? Or are you also on Guerrero for MVP? I am on Vlad Guerrero. For sure. Yeah, I think despite Otani being as special as he is, um, and I would like to pick him. He's on my team. I love watching him. It's definitely Vlad Guerrero. Uh, and you could also throw Tatis in the mix just per game basis. The points he puts up on a per game basis, uh, I think might be higher than Vlad, but Vlad has a lot more at bats. He's in the lineup. You don't really question his health. You guys pointed to he has over 40 more points than Otani and over 50 more points on the season than Tatis. So he's definitely the MVP at this point of the, at this point of the season. Yeah. I didn't have, okay, Nick. Oh, go ahead. Do you have a beer? Do you have a beer? Do I have a you beer? Called a tawny, yeah. Cause you called a Tony special. Oh shoot. I, I actually have been drinking beer on a boat all day. So I switched to a cold brew coffee just to kind of get myself back in the mix and drinking some good water right now. I know I should uh, tip one back. I need to go grab a beer calling them special. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, going to have to be the new tradition. But we'll, we'll switch gears here. Now it's uh, our Cy Young. So basically self-explanatory MVP award, but for a pitcher. Uh, Nick, we'll lead off with you. I'll keep it short. That's uh, 100% DeGrom. No debate, no question. He's the absolute best. Yeah, That's I also <laughs> had the same. I had the same one. I don't. It's, it's going to be tough to pick against DeGrom here. He's just been kind of at another level. Uh, the only you got to be feeling good, him. Jake. You have yeah, both the Grom and Vlad. Yeah, usually I try not to talk about my own players, so I was trying to find other other guys to pick. Uh, some honorable mentions I'll throw in there: Kevin Gosman. Uh, in terms of just value, Carlos Rodon I think is probably the best value pick in terms of pitcher, and also uh, Zach Wheeler, who I will talk about in a little bit, but he also deserves to be in the mix. 
Mike, did you have anyone different? Uh, as my clear-cut guy, no. DeGrom's, I mean, he's he's a nutty. He's a nutty dude. But I am going to say I do have another option, and that is Freddie Peralta. And I say that because he's got that SP and RP eligibility. He's overall seventh uh, as pitcher. Uh, he's been great. And I think when I think of a fantasy MVP in terms of pitching, I think the fact that he can be a relief pitcher, you can slug him in there. I, I It's DeGrom. There's no other option. There's no other choice. But I think Peralta on any other year, he definitely deserves this award as well. Yeah, Freddie Peralta was on my team for a hot second there before I shipped him off to Brendan in a trade that I regret. But, um, yeah, so those are our fantasy Cy Young. So next next award we have is uh, best waiver pickup, and that's basically the, just the best player who was added off of waivers who wasn't drafted. So, Mike, we'll toss it back to you. Yeah, so I have two because he was really – I know we are only meant to pick one, but it was really – hard to decide which one was the best so i have one hitter and i got one pitcher and the hitter is the hometown boy adam frazier he's been consistent all year he's starting for the all-stars uh he's been great nothing short of it and then for the other one is you know kevin gosman gets all the hype for the giants in terms of their pitchers but Anthony, I kind of hard to say. Duscafani, he's been great as well. Uh, great pickup by Courtney. It was really hard to, you know, pick which one was the top. If I had to lean one way, I would have to say Adam Frazier, considering he is an All Star this year, um, and also that that trade Nick or not Nick, sorry, Nate and Scott made. It's almost like Frazier at the time was just a throw in. But it turns out he was probably the best player, period, throughout that trade. So I would probably lean it towards Frazier. It's kind of funny to look back at that one because I think that Adam Frazier is like the last man standing because all Nate's guys that he got are hurt. Jared Kelnick's mm-hmm. down. <laughs> you're, you're right. It's He was just kind of a yeah. – kind of viewed him as a throw-in, and he's just – he's kind of taken off. He's probably the most impactful player who's – in that trade in terms of uh, just kind of value this year so far. Nick, who did you have as best waiver pickup? Oh, uh, Mike mentioned Anthony Descafani. I like to call him the disco man. Just, I don't know, his last name reminds me of just the disco. <laughs> I think I've heard him mention there a nickname of his, just like Anthony Disco on another podcast. He was one I looked at. Uh, I didn't pick him. I didn't pick Frazier. When I thought about hitters, I actually thought about Nate getting a lot of value out of Jonathan's uh, scope recently. But I thought Cedric Mullins was an even better pickup by Eddie as a hitter. Um, but I mentioned those guys to say oh, that man. the I best waiver wire. Yeah, I mentioned those guys, though, to say I think the best waiver wire pickup, in my opinion, is Kyle Gibson, um, who was picked up by Jarrowin, Team Positivity, who's now the number 17 overall uh, starting pitcher. And I believe Descafani is – number 15 overall, but I think Gibson's just kind of that pillar of consistency that you want in your lineup. And he has an ERA below two on the year, which is just super impressive. So he would be my pick, Kyle Gibson. 
Yeah, mine would be between Discofani and Gibson. I kind of view they're they're pretty similar in terms of what they are. They're older guys who we might not have viewed as maybe fantasy relevant before, but have kind of reinvented themselves. I think I would lean Gibson just because uh, I think Jerwin's gotten more mileage out of him than Courtney's gotten out of Discofani. Uh, I believe that Discofani's kind of been in and out of her lineup, while Gibson's kind of been in Jerwin's lineup almost every week. I think that Di Scalfani should have been in, should have been and should be going forward in Courtney's lineup just about every week. But yeah, I would lean Gibson, but it's really close between those two. They were both great pickups. And really, anytime you get a pitcher that you can start every week off of waivers, that's an absolute win. Uh, so next we have best keeper. And this is the best player who was a keeper this season who's just basically performed the best. So Mike, I have a feeling that you're going to pick your guy. So we'll lead off with you. Yeah, it's it's really hard to pick against uh, Tatis. He's been even better than he was last year. 14th round keeper. And I, I mean, I also, I mean, I really did look and see, like, was there anybody else? And, you know, Courtney does have Ronald Acuna. But in terms of around, you know, she kept him in the seventh round, Tatis seven rounds later it's and I also wanted to pick a keeper that you know the team has had all year didn't trade him didn't move him yeah there's I mean he's been great and he's my pick for sure yeah it's tough to argue with a first round talent in the 14th round that's pretty tough to beat Nick do you have anybody different yeah I didn't want to pick the obvious one I knew Tatis is I mean, I knew Michael was going to talk about him. He is the obvious choice, I believe, of most of everybody. So I wanted to give uh, Corbin Burns a shout out. I think he was a surprise with his breakout this year and being kept as late as he did by Jerowin. Uh, then he was using a big deal for uh, Jerowin getting his team propelled on that team positive, team positivity vibes, propelling himself up the ranking. So I just wanted to give uh, yeah, a shout out to Corbin Burns being one of the best keepers of the bunch, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. He's a... Uh... He was in the conversation earlier in the year when he was kind of in the role. I was talking to a few people. I think that he was probably my best keeper going into next year, but now that he's slowed down a little bit, maybe the, right. the cutters, the cutter spin rate has dropped. So we'll, we'll have to see if that he's able to turn it around by my best keeper. I wanted to talk about somebody different because I, I thought that Tatis would kind of be the obvious choice that I figured Mike would talk about him, but I wanted to talk about Zach Wheeler who is basically doing a better Garrett Cole impression really than Garrett Cole himself this year. Uh, he's the third overall player. He was kept in the eighth round. Uh, the strikeouts are up from last year over 13%, which is fantastic. That was always his problem. He gets volume. The peripherals all look great. Uh, overall, he looks like a bonafide ace. And um, just a little, I guess, peek into my own trade dealings. I did offer Garrett Cole and another player a couple weeks ago for him. And I was turned down and I can't say that uh, I can't say that was a bad decision. Zach Wheeler is great for our format. I think that he is probably a, a top tier ace going forward. So now moving on into some of the, uh, some of the awards that you might not want to have. Uh, we'll lead off with least valuable player. And this is the biggest disappointment as a hitter. Mike, who do you got? It pains me to say this because I've probably texted Nick. I don't know, man, how many times? Like 10 times every time we try to talk about a trade. 
And you know what I'm talking about, right? I have you an guess. idea. Yeah. Well, I have two that I'm going to talk about for this uh, award, and they're both on my team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be Cody Bellinger. Um, if you take away the fact that he's been hurt on and off this year, his level of play is just down. His batting average is below 200. I think he's got maybe three home runs. He's definitely not been Cody Bellinger this year. And this has been a kind of a storyline between him, whether, you know, he can stay healthy. And when he does play healthy, is he actually playing good? And this year he's just been crap. There's just no other way I can kind of say it. So he's definitely my most disappointment. Nick? Yeah, that's fair. Um, Cody Bellinger on my team, uh, he was one of the two guys that have been the most disappointing for this award that I was choosing as well. I will say, well, one, I benched his ass. <laughs> He's not in my lineup this week. I put Cody on the bench and put Goldschmidt in. Um, I think, though, Cody uh, with Bellinger, he he's not doing as bad as one would think, at least recently. Um, I th- man, I just was looking through his stats. I thought it was last week, but it might have been just over a week ago. He had back-to-back home run days, which is kind of what you want to see, just knowing I be- believe he still has that talent, that huge upside there to where I haven't lost hope in him uh, turning into something very valuable for my team. But I'm just going to shift gears and point to Christian Yelich. That's another guy on my team I was expecting big things for that has definitely been a disappointment. And uh, I really need him to turn it around to help me out. Yeah, I have Yelich in another league, and it's been so frustrating between the back injuries and just the strikeouts are way up. It's it's tough because I was kind of counting on him to be my one of my offensive anchors because I went it's a roto league and I went pitcher heavy. But so my offense is suffering with him. And then my third round pick was Corey Seager, and he's been hurt for a couple months. But my my least valuable player, uh, I went with Francisco Lindor and. The reason my reasoning was because I did consider guys like Bellinger and uh, Yelich as well. My reasoning for Lindor was he's he's played all year, so I I think that that puts him even less valuable than someone like Cody Bellinger because at least you could bench him and you knew that he was you knew that he was going to be out. Whereas with Lindor, you kind of have to play him, and he's just been terrible. And for him versus Yelich, uh, Lindor's a shortstop, and that's one of the deepest positions in all of fantasy baseball. So I would lean with Lind- I would lean Lindor. He's he doesn't really show many signs of turning around. The he's not hitting the ball hard. So, uh, his exit velocity is like David Fletcher level, which is not really what you want at all. And yeah, I it's definitely a fall from grace for somebody who was I think believe like the fourth overall hitter not even three years ago. Yeah, it's definitely Francisco Lindor for me, but like you guys said, Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich have definitely been equally as frustrating. So our next one is our biggest disappointment as a pitcher, which I have named the Jeff Locke Award. And uh, yeah, I needed a pitcher. I needed a pitcher who was bad and Jeff Locke came to mind immediately. So the award is named after him. Congratulations, Jeff Locke. Uh, Nick, we'll lead off with you. Oh, I like that you let off with me. You know, I initially would have said a few weeks ago, it would definitely be Luis Castillo, um, but he's kind of turning it around for, for Nate's team. And then I was thinking of Kenta Maeda, but he just had a huge start for him this past week. Um, and he's had a, 
he's been okay since coming back from being injured. So I wouldn't say he's been the huge disappointment that would, you know, warrant this Jeff Locke award. I think the biggest disappointment, 100%, is Dylan Bundy. He's such a turd. I'm so glad I kicked him off my team. <laughs> he is on the waiver wire. Somebody else can feel free to go pick him up. Yeah, Dylan Bundy's been kind of a running joke in our league for a while because he was uh, – he's just always been bad. And it's – well, I guess with the exception of last year, but he's been – he's definitely been a divisive player. We've had we've had our Dylan Bundy backers, our believers in this league, and then we've had other guys who are like, nah, this guy's always going to suck. And it's always been a – it's been a struggle between the two. But, uh, yeah, I can't argue with that. He's been absolutely useless for fantasy. Mike, who you got? Yeah, uh, it was tough between two guys, but I would have to go with Lucas Giolito. Uh, he was drafted six overall, and, you know, Chicago at the time, preseason, considered definitely one of the, you know, the teams that are championship worthy, and he's been considered their ace, their go-to guy, and, you know, he hasn't been terrible you know, he's got a 4.2 ERA, 6-6 six and six overall in terms of a record. But he's just not been having those Lucas Giolito games. I mean, he hasn't had a game above 20 points since the end of May. So June was a rough outing. And even me, Nick, and Nate, you know, we went to the Pirates game a few weeks ago, and we got to see him in person. And we were all excited because, you know, you get to see a top-level ace because, let's face it, there's not a lot to be excited for watching the Pirates. And he, he, even then, just in person, he was a little underwhelming. And I think that's how his fantasy season's gone this year. Uh, he's a 38th overall pitcher, I believe. Yeah, 38th. Like I said, he hasn't been terrible, but as a first-round pick, definitely underperforming. Yeah, Giolito's an interesting case because he's one of the ones – I know that Bauer and Cole have gotten a lot of the – well, kind of, they've kind of taken the brunt of the sticky sticky gate here. But Giolito's actually the one that I'm most worried about out of all of them. The strikeouts, the swinging strike rate has been way down since they and that, since they announced that they were cracking down on substances. And uh, he has not looked like the same guy. I still think he's going to be good, but it's – I don't know that he can get back to being an ace with uh, – how far down the strikeouts have kind of plummeted here. But for my pick, I was between two pitchers. Uh, the first one of those is Steven Strasburg. Uh, he's kind of been hurt all year. Uh, when he has pitched, he's been pretty bad. The velocity has been down, way down. Uh, sometimes he's been averaging under 90 miles an hour, which is not at all what you're used to seeing out of him. So for him, I, I, I'm a little bit worried for him going forward just because I don't know if he's always a guy who's going to have health problems. And he's definitely been very disappointing to this point. This is the second straight year where he's been kind of plagued with injuries. But my other pick that I think that I would go with is Jesus Lazardo, who has just been a total, oh, yeah. a total dumpster fire. Uh, he's been moved to the bullpen. He just got sent down. Uh, he only has 27 fantasy points on the year, which is good for, 2.08 points per game. Not good at all. Uh, this is somebody that was drafted pretty early. He was be kind of counted on to be a rock in a rotation, and he has been anything but. So I think that if anybody deserves the Jeff Locke Award, that's who I would give it to. 
Good choice. He's, you know, he's been so bad that I literally forgot about him. Yeah, you know, Jake, as soon as you mentioned Mazzardo, one guy really came up to mind, and I'm sure Nick feels it too, is probably Sixto Sanchez. Oh, I just dropped him too, season-ending season surgery. Did you yeah, drop he, him? Uh, I did drop him, yeah. He's, he's done for the year. Uh-huh. And he was, I believe, my fifth or sixth-round pick. I know yeah, I mentioned him last week he was a third-round pick, but he was, uh, I think, five or six. But, yeah, I haven't. And I didn't get any use out of him. Yeah, I thought about picking Sixto Sanchez just because you didn't – you got literally nothing from him. But it goes back to kind of what I was talking about before with uh, Lindor versus Bellinger is, like, you at least knew that Sixto Sanchez was out and you could uh, you could swap somebody in for him. Right. Whereas with, right. like, Luzardo, he's just – he's playing – he was playing all, all the time. He was just really bad every single start. So I think in my in my opinion, that's even less valuable than somebody who just is hurt all the time because you're, you're kind of getting negative production out of him rather than nothing. But we'll move on to our last award, and that is the worst keeper. That is the keeper that you had high expectations for who has underwhelmed. So Nick, we'll toss it to you. Who you got? Uh, I thought about Castillo and Maeda, but again, like I mentioned before, they're kind of – turning around a little bit to at least give you some value for your team. And so I'll point to another one of my keepers, uh, you know, selecting our keepers, Eddie and I, during that time when we were coming into the league, I, I knew nothing about fantasy baseball, not a darn thing ex- except for the big names. And one guy selected was Marcel Zuna having a great year last year from what I, you know, read up on looking at stats from last year. And well, he is doing not, he's not doing anybody any good on or off the field as we know. So he is my worst keeper. Yeah. I also picked Marcelo Zuna. I have an honorable mention too. I had a, uh, I'm sorry, Jordan. Labor Torres has been anything but elite <laughs> this year. And uh, yeah, it's been really tough to see him, see him struggle. It's he's another one of those guys that has, you've, you've been playing him pretty much every week, but he's been, he, he has been really struggling and not a lot of signs. He's going to turn it around, but. You know, I, I actually don't know if Jordan is still on the Glaber bandwagon or if he's kind of turned the page here because he did trade him to Sam a number of weeks ago. So I think the Glaber era is officially over. I can now talk trash on him uh, guilt-free. So, yeah, <laughs> Glaber Torres is my is my worst keeper. Mike, who you have? Yeah, I'm going to go a different direction here, and I'm sure, Jake, you kind of feel this a little bit uh, from the Dynasty League that we all do. But again, with these keeper segments, I wanted to keep it that these players are still on the exact team. No, you know, they weren't traded, they weren't dropped, and I got to go with Blake Snell. Oh, he yeah. is right now 95th ranked starting or no, yeah, starting pitcher. That's that's not good at all. And I know he doesn't get those points for the win-loss cuz you know, he barely goes past four innings. <clears throat> but he's just – I don't even know if you – I know J.C., he was on the IR. I know he's hurt. I don't even know if J.C.'s going to start him or not. He's nowhere near that Cy Young winner that he was. And hot take here, I will not be surprised, and I don't think anybody would be surprised if J.C. drops him because he's just been that bad. Yeah, there's not a lot of hope with Blake Snell. The 
walks have been way up. He's not going deep in the games. It's just a whole combination of of bad things. Honestly, you mentioned the Dynasty League. If there was a Mount Rushmore of players that I hate this year, <laughs> Blake Snell would be front and center. And it was funny name. is everybody in that league was ripping on Scott for trading Blake Snell. But Tariq Skubal definitely seems like he's got a bright future ahead of him. So I don't yeah, know. I traded my boy Blake, uh, Tariq Skubal. I thought that it was fine. Uh, it was not fine. Blake Snell kind of forgot how to pitch. He's just – I mean, he couldn't hit the ocean from the beach most starts. It's just <laughs> – it's it's bad. It's really bad. He's a uh, don't like him at all, really. So yeah, that's that'll uh, that'll wrap up our segment for midseason awards. Uh, yeah, I think some solid picks all around here. So we'll move on to my standout player of the week, and that was Herman Marquez, who was the top scorer overall this week with sixty three points. Uh, that's twenty five more points than the next scorer. So he really ran away with this one. He had two starts. And they were both at Coors Field, which kind of makes it even more impressive. Uh, 15 innings pitch, six hits, two runs, one walk, 16 strikeouts, and a win. And honestly, if he ever got traded out of Colorado, he would probably be, for me, around a top 25 pitcher. Because he's going to get volume. The stuff's good. It's just that home park that always gives you pause whenever you are trying to start him. I'd I know that I've been on record a couple of times saying I don't trust Rockies pitchers and I don't think a lot of other people do, but yeah, if he ever gets traded, watch out. I think that he could be a, I think he could be a fantasy ace. So that wraps up our standout player of the week. Uh, now we're going to move on to our matchup previews. So Nick, who you have for best matchup? Best matchup. I have JC. That's JC hashtag $50 by 2022 versus Brendan, the Sotalist shuffle. Uh, I think this is a very important matchup because both teams seem to be kind of on the downhill slope and one of them is bound to get a win here to at least give their team some hope to keep themselves in a solid position. Either Brendan, you know, you know, holding tight to a wild card or just above that wild card line and JC trying to stay in those top four to five team range. So I think this is a very important matchup to watch. It's um, my best matchup of the week. Mike, who you got? Yeah, that was a good pick. I definitely think it's the most important for the teams in the league. Uh, my best matchup is my matchup against Jerwin. Uh, we've seen that my team can absolutely go off on a tear whenever it's all good and, you know, whenever it decides to. But Jerwin's team, with the moves that he's made, and we all know that He's trying to keep those positive vibes rolling. Um, I definitely think this matchup has a lot of implication of Jerowin solidifying potentially a wild card spot or myself climbing more up into the ranks, especially with JC struggling. So I think we're definitely going to bring our best uh, foot forward. Uh, we got a Brandon Woodruff and Aaron Nola two-week start. So, yeah, I definitely think that's going to be the best matchup. Yeah, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be this podcast if I had a different best matchup than a co-host. I have the same one. I have Jerowin versus Mike. Uh, I think this is going to be a big week for Jerowin. Well, I don't know about big week, but it, it, this is going to be a big week for him because he really needs a rebound here. Uh, and Mike's team, I I think this will. I don't want to say this is going to be a test, but I think this is kind of 
depending on how this goes, maybe this will validate his performance from last week. See if that, that new look offense really does carry the floor that he can put up almost 300 points every week, which would be absolutely huge. So, yeah, I, I think that this will be a really good one. Same number of pitchers uh, there. I believe they have one only, they're only separated on for, for hitters by one game. So there is no volume advantage for either side. Uh, I think this will be pretty close, but I'm, I'm excited to see how this one turns out. And since this will be my kind of segues into my biggest take or my thing to watch for, uh, my thing to watch for is how Jerwin does this week, because really, I think we've been talking up his team, but since he started buying, he is only five and five. And that's, I know when I looked, that was a lot lower than what I thought it was. I thought he was above 500 and, Honestly, being playing 500 ball is going to get you into the probably going to get you into the playoffs. But considering he's fighting for a wild card spot, and considering how he has approached the season, I think that he needs to make the playoffs a lot more than a lot of these other teams because he is, he is sold out for the playoffs this year. He's made it known that he wants it, that he's kind of going balls out for the playoffs. And uh, yeah, I think that. Basically, he needs he needs to make the playoffs this year because of how he's approached it. He doesn't have the same keepers to fall back on that some of these other teams do, like Sam, where even if he doesn't make the playoffs, oh, well, he's got a solid keeper pull for next year. Jerwin doesn't have that. So I think that this is a big week for him. He needs to rebound. He needs to rebound quickly. And, uh, yeah, because the, the playoffs are inching closer. We don't have a ton of time left. So, uh, Nick, what was your thing to watch for? My thing to watch for is I believe we're going to see another team this week turning it, turn into a seller. I don't know who I'm not going to call out any teams, but I think there's going to be one team this week that's going to start to sell some of their, um, you know, top end guys to get some better quality keepers for next year. Now, did you have a specific, you don't have to name them, but did you have a specific team in mind or are you just thinking that's something that'll happen? I, I have a few teams I could foresee doing it sooner than others. Uh, I think there's going to be a team or two bound to try to do it. And, um, you know, I think it's trying to, it might be a smart idea to try to beat another team to the punch to try to get whatever keepers the best available are uh, or the best that, that are available left before you realize you don't really have a shot at uh maybe you have a shot at getting a win the playoffs, but can you win consecutive weeks with two week matchups? I think that's a question people should start to ask them th- themselves. That's, that's a, uh, at least what I ask myself looking at my team, can I not just get a win the playoffs, but can I get consecutive wins? And if I don't feel good about it, then I try to make moves to get my team there. And if, if I don't foresee that happening, then I think selling's a smart option. Yeah, it's definitely fair. Mike, what's your thing to watch for? Yeah, I kind of agree with Nick here in a sense. Um, and I will say somebody's name and it's JC. Now, JC is still very comfortable in the standings, so immediately he definitely doesn't have anything to worry about. But if he does have another 0-2 start this week and losing Trevor Bauer, you know, you got to worry a little bit. And we'll see how he pans out this week. Um, we'll see if he tries to make any moves to try to replace Trevor Bauer. Um, I know that there's not a whole lot of, I would say, buyers at the moment. But 
that would be my biggest thing to really watch for is how JC handles this new loss. Can he rebound? Can he bounce back? And if he doesn't, kind of like how Nick said, it might not be a total shocker if he starts selling a little bit. I know I would be pretty shocked if JC sold, just considering how his season has gone so far. But Trevor Bauer is definitely a huge loss for him. Probably the most significant one. Probably he was probably the the player that he couldn't afford to lose out of everybody on his on his roster. So yeah, anytime you lose your the ace of your staff, that's that's really tough to deal with. Uh, so moving on to matchup predictions. Uh, our matchup prediction records: Nate is forty five and twenty one. I am thirty eight and twenty two. But Nate's not here this week to take all my picks. So this is the week I got to gain some ground. Uh, so we'll start off with my game versus Eddie. Uh, Nick, who you got for this one? I have your team, Jake, Jake's fantasy baseball team. And I think Eddie's team has shown signs that it's, you know, ha- there's some hope there to get him into the playoffs. But I think, uh, you know, a team like yours, one of the top contending teams, is just a little bit too much at this point. Mike? I am not going to go against Jake going two bad weeks back to back. Uh, I'm definitely going to pick Jake. Yeah, I would tend to agree here. I think I have both Bueller and DeGrom going twice, although I think I'm pretty sure right now Bueller's currently getting lit up by the Marlins. So you don't like to see that, but still, I think that I'm, I think I have enough to pull it off this week. Uh, next one is Big Money Mike versus Team Positivity. Uh, Nick, we'll take it back to you. See, I didn't choose this as uh, the biggest, the best matchup of the week because I don't think it's – maybe it's a hot take. I actually don't think it's going to be close at all. I think we're going to see those consistent high numbers from Mike's team. Uh, and so I have big money Mike winning here comfortably. Sorry, Jerwin. Yeah, that's very uh, negative vibes of you. Uh, I know. The I know. He has so much positive vibes, though. He'll be good to go. <laughs> Mike, do you have a different pick? No, I think <laughs> positive vibes. I think the, I, I, Jerwin, I love the identity and the positive vibes, but it ain't happening this week. Sorry, <laughs> I do bud. too. I typically don't like a shift in team name, but I like this. Yeah, positive vibes, schmozative, schmibes. Am I right? I'm also picking <laughs> Mike to win this one. Although I don't think it. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be a huge blowout, although I'm, I will have to check because I'm pretty sure I picked Mike to cover for the sports book and the spread was like 38 points. So maybe maybe I do think it'll be a blowout. But moving on, it'll be we have Scott versus Nate. Uh, I'll go ahead and say I have Nate for this one. His team's kind of been on a roll and, you know, that's that's all I really had to say about that one. Yeah, way to go first and take a bold take there, Jake. <laughs> this one will be a blowout. It's no fault to Scott's. Nate's team's just a lot better. That's my pick. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just cut it dry. I mean, Nate's going to win this uh, week. It would have to take a lot for Scott to win, so. Yeah, next year is the year where Scott really starts. I'll tell you what. You know, you look more into Scott's team. And this is, I've never, ever, at least in the time that I've been in the league, I've never seen a team that was buying keepers. And in terms of prospects, how, how, he's got like, what, all five of the top five 
I believe. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring that up. Go ahead. Gore. No, I was going to say he's got Kalanick, Franco, who both have been a little underwhelming, but you, you can't argue that the talent's not there. He's got Bobby Witt. You know, and I know Scott doesn't get enough appreciation, but I will say that it's pretty crazy that he was able to get the top, top level prospects. <laughs> and if they pan out, I mean, imagine the fact that one of them turns into a Tatis, one of them turns into a top-level ace. But it's a lot of ifs, so, but still, kudos to him. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because that is a it's, – uh, it's a little riskier than I would want to go if I was rebuilding, but nobody has ever gone that prospect heavy before. So I don't really know if that strategy works for a rebuild or not because we haven't seen it. Uh, moving on to the next one, we got the Sotoless Shuffle Brendan versus J.C., Mike, who you got for this one? Oh, man. Um, two teams that have definitely been struggling as of late. I got to say, I think JC pulls this one off. I think it's going to be close, really close. I think Brendan's going to pull out all the cards to try to sneak a win. But I think JC's team will just slightly overpower his. So I got JC winning this one. Nick? Jake, I hope you make a different selection because we've been all the same. I'm picking JC here. Uh, I know this one's going to be super close, though. I don't feel really confident picking JC, but he is my pick to win this matchup. I will go a different direction here, even though that's not what I have in my notes. I'm going to go with Brendan in this one, even though he did just lose Zach Allen. Uh, I'm going to say that JC is going to get hurt by – uh, the loss of Trevor Bauer. I know that he's not going to play this. He's for sure not going to play this week. And uh, I see that he has finally he's benched Aroldis Chapman. I think that was a good move. Yes. I know that Ryu. That's why he's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Ryu's been struggling a little bit. And um, yeah, I'm I am going to go with Brendan here. I know that I see that Brendan also has the the big volume advantage. So I'll say that Brendan's going to pull this one off, even though his team has really been struggling lately uh so yeah brendan don't let me down i need to pick up games on nate uh next one we have sam versus nick uh i'll lead us off in this one i'm gonna pick nick here uh not just because he's on the podcast with me but he also has i believe 11 or 12 starts and uh i think sam kind of got his got his good week out of the way last week i don't know that he can do it two weeks in a row uh, Mike, do you have a different opinion? I don't, but I also do think it's going to be very close. Um, we're going to find out if Nick's offense takes a hit or not. I Like I said earlier when we were talking about the trade, I don't think it's going to be a massive drop. But again, you kind of have to wait and see if it will be. But what I do like is he didn't have to give up any pitching. And like you mentioned, the volume of pitching, I think it's going to be – Somewhat close, but I think, Nick, you'll win comfortably. Nick? Thanks. I hope so. Yeah, I, I hope so. I have my team winning as well, Pine Run Market. It was actually my honorable mention best matchup of the week. I think Sam's team is capable of performing to a high level, like I mentioned before. And uh, so I'm, I don't feel super confident, especially compared to some of the other matchups with, it, with you know, choosing my team, but I am choosing myself to win here. All right. I would be shocked if we – differed in our picks for this last <laughs> one we have uh jordan versus courtney uh mike who you got 
Upset alert. Upset alert. No way. I think think Courtney has one of her bad weeks. She's shown that some of those weeks have happened. It happened against me. Um, I know there was another one, but I can't remember 100% sure. And I think Jordy's team, even though he sold a lot of guys, has shown that it can upset a little bit. I think Courtney has a bad week, and I'm picking Jordan to win this week. You're just saying that because you're doing his sports book segment later. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I, yeah. I just got I, I to be different. I got to be different, I, you know? I that like is definitely a bold. Yeah, that is definitely bold. Uh, I, I will say Jordan does have, like, twice as many pitchers going. I'm picking Courtney because even though Jordan does have, like, twice as many pitchers, uh, 90% any pitcher, I think, in his lineup right now that is not named Casey Mize is a pretty sucky pitcher. And uh, sometimes, even though they have the two starts, they, that can backfire if the pitchers aren't actually good at pitching. Uh, Nick, <laughs> I, take you, I take it you don't have a different one in, the, in this matchup here. You're correct. I don't think those pretty petite princess, princesses have any shot against the queen of the league and Courtney. I, I'm taking Courtney's team. All right, so moving on to our around the league segment, I'll lead us off with our league history fact of the week. And uh, Mike, I'm throwing you a little love with this one. Uh, you scored 385.9 points in week 13 this past week, and that is your third time scoring over 330 points this year. Before this year, you've only scored over 330 points two other times. Uh, once in week seven of 2019, when you scored 370.4 points, and once in week two of 2020, when you scored 348.2 points. That is my league history fact of the week. Mike is on a roll this year, and uh, like I said earlier, I think that he could be a giant killer in the playoffs. But that brings us to Jordy the General Sportsbook, which is actually the big money Mike Sportsbook this week. Jordan taking a well-deserved vacation after going 5-0 and with his locks. Uh, slow clap for Jordan there. And, uh, yeah, so, Mike, take us away with your locks. Go ahead. Okay, so thanks for having me on. Jordy, I appreciate you coming and asking me to take it over. So we've got big money mics, big money takes. <laughs> so to break uh, – Unfortunately, I don't have the notes from last week, but I think the big thing I want to highlight is Jordan went 5-0 and with his picks. So I got to try to figure out a way to match that. So here we go. So for the first matchup, we have JC versus Brendan with Brendan having a minus 2.74 and the total being 504.74 uh, overall points. Then we got Eddie versus Jake with Jake with a minus 12.09 points, totaling up 484.27 points. Jordan versus Courtney. Courtney with the spread of negative. Jordan, if I mess this up, I do apologize. Not really my thing, but I do appreciate you coming to me. But a minus 29.96 with a total of 527.9 Man, you really do want some uh, music in this background. I'll tell you what. I've been Scott waiting versus, for it. 
I, you know, I wanted to kind of test test it out, but I'm like, I don't want to mess it up. Keep going. I don't want to take you off your your role here. Keep going. Oh yeah, uh, Scott versus Nate with a minus eighty point one five, matching the total of five thirty five point nine seven. Jerwin versus myself with a minus thirty eight point oh four, totaling five seventy one point five. And lastly, Sam versus Nick. Nick with the spread of minus 17.65. Nick's been the guy to pick on the spreads. So my picks for my favorite, I've got Nick over Sam. Let's see here. My underdog, as much as I picked myself to win the matchup, I'm going to have to go with Jerwin as the underdog. And then let's see here. I got him here. For the over, I am taking. Hmm. I'm kind of looking at it right now. For the over, I'm going to go over 484.27 with the matchup of Jake and Eddie. The under, I am going to go with. It's tough. For the under, I'm going to go with Nick and Sam. And then the median, I am going under because it's been under all year long. So that's it for the week 14 sports book. Have a great week, everybody. And again, Jordan with 5-0. and Yeah, as Mike mentioned, Jordan did go 5-0 and this past week. So he, ha- he does have a lot to live up to with these locks. Uh, that was Big Money Mike sports book. Uh, thank you, Mike, for that. We'll move on to news and notes. Uh, so our first one is Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer facing allegations of sexual assault uh, was placed on the seven-day administrative leave by Major League Baseball on Friday. Uh, the situation is obviously very serious, and he could potentially be facing a pretty lengthy absence. Uh, some recent suspensions under the domestic violence policy include Julio Arias for his 20 games, Addison Russell got 40 games, and I believe the most recent one is Roberto Asuna, who got 75 games. Uh, moving past what he's accused of, losing Trevor Bauer would be a huge blow to JC's pitching staff. So if you were if you were JC, how would you proceed here? Uh, would you try to sell out for a top-of-the-line pitcher or maybe try to add depth to make up for the loss? Uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Yeah, this is really tricky um, because if you try to go for a top-of-the-line pitcher, you're certainly giving up a lot. Um, and I don't know if JC necessarily wants to do that and sacrifice uh, any of his offense to do so. Um, it's definitely tricky. I think JC's still okay for the most part. But again, like I mentioned in the matchup predictions, if he goes another 0-2 start, he's going to have to make a move to keep up with the top and heavy team. So if I were him, I would – my best advice to you, JC, right now is to stay patient, wait it out. You know, your team's still comfortable in the standings. But again, don't get too comfortable because it could definitely turn out for the worst for you. Nick? Yeah, I actually, I was going to share similar to what advice that Mike was sharing to try to go with depth. Um, Because I think getting a top end pitcher is very difficult, but I think that's what his team needs. I think that's kind of what you need if you want to try to compete 
uh, far into the playoffs beyond beyond the first week. You know, I think his team is going to get a playoff spot pretty comfortably. I'm not sure how high in the standings he'll finish and what spot in the playoffs he'll be. Um, but to get, you know, back to back wins or string together wins in the playoffs, I think you do need that ace that he lost in Trevor Bauer. And maybe he does get him back. Who knows what this, uh, you know, the suspension, if it does come, what it will be. Um, I, I guess it is to uh, maybe remain patient, but that's uh, for JC to decide. Yeah, I tend to agree with both you guys. I think that um, a, a top of the line pitcher is the greatest weapon you can have in a playoff setting where it is two weeks because those guys can potentially go three times. And if an ace goes three times and he pitches well in each game, uh, there's not really a lot that can top that. So they tend to be the highest scorers in our playoff settings. I think you need one to go far. But kind of going back to what Mike was saying, I think the worst thing that you could do is panic. Uh, there's a lot of unknown right now with this situation. And uh, who knows? Maybe, I mean, I, I think that he's going to get suspended, it's, but he might have him back by the end of the playoffs I, or by, by the time playoffs roll around. Yeah, I, I think the worst thing you can do pretty much at any point in or any situation in fantasy sports is panic and try to make a move out of it while you're panicking. So I would, uh, yeah, I would say what Mike said and kind of be patient here, but moving on next, we got your mean Mercedes was sent down to triple a on Friday after opening the season, hitting 415 in April, his average dropped to 221 in May and finally cratered at 159 in June. Uh, he was definitely one of my favorite stories early on. He was such a fun player. Uh, and uh, is the ride, unfortunately, is it over? I'll go ahead and go. I, I believe it is, uh, at least this season for sure. Uh, I don't think he's going to come back and be fantasy relevant. And I did, you know, ride that roller coaster up at the beginning of the year. Uh, not in this league, obviously. And I try not to speak about other leagues when talking, you know, in a different league. But uh, in the Dynasty League that we mentioned a few times uh, we picked them up. Eddie and I actually were co-managing team and we picked them up off of waivers, got a lot of good value out of him. And then we actually traded him, him away at the right time. And, uh, and we got Kenta Maeda in that trade. who hasn't been great, but at least we got rid of him and got some value before he uh, hit this decline that you mentioned. But getting back to the question. Yeah, I think he's done at least being on a fantasy roster for this season. Mike. The Mercedes ride has downgraded to a Beamer. <laughs> yes. I think the train is over. Um, I remember talking to Nate kind of briefly about him, and Nate brought up a really good point. There's a reason that he's a 28-year-old, unknown name before this season. And, yeah, I just think it's definitely over for him. I mean, I don't think his MLB career is over because that's a really – tough thing to say but definitely not going to be the same guy now yeah I tend to agree with you guys I think that the I think the ride's officially over uh like these guys said that Nate said and then there is a reason he's a 28 year old rookie it's probably because he's not very good and uh really what's gonna work against him too is he's a really really bad defender and with Eloy Jimenez, whenever he comes back, I highly doubt the White Sox are going to want to put him in the outfield again. So that kind of takes DH out of the equation, and that's really the only spot where Mercedes can be. And honestly, if the, if the DH isn't hitting, well, that's kind of just a dead roster spot. Uh, but 
Since being heavily criticized by his own manager, Tony La Russa, for breaking baseball's unwritten rules since that game where he crushed a, I believe, 48-mile-an-hour EFIS pitch for a home run, and that was just devastating to La Russa because he missed the take sign or something. Uh, he hit Mercedes hit just 150 since that game. So I ask you, did Tony La Russa break Mercedes? <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. I'll take it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely think he did. Um, and, you know, these managers need to knock off the shit about the unwritten rules. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, because here's the thing. This happened to Fernando Tatis, if everybody remembers. Now, I don't know the, I, the manager's name for the Padres, but I do recall and I do remember when Tatis swung on a was a 3-0 count, had a home run, manager cussed him out, and <clears> – <throat> Tatis had to apologize on air and he did actually struggle for a brief amount of time after that. So these managers need to knock off the shit because I think it definitely can really put a damper on your mindset and your confidence level. Luckily Tatis is a dog and he is who he is now, but I don't think Mercedes has that dog mentality to just keep lighting it up. So yeah, Tony LaRusso, you can suck a big one. <laughs> one of the funniest videos that I've seen when after Tatis gets back into the dugout, there's Eric Hosmer who's trying to explain the unwritten rules to him. And just the look on Tatis's face is hysterical. It's ridiculous. And I'm glad to see that these young guys are saying pretty much a big F you to the unwritten rules. Hey, if you get the chance to get a home run and put up the score, do it. I'm all for it. It's kind of funny because there's a lot of, well, I guess I won't go into it too much, but there's a lot of grief on the other end on the football side, the fantasy football side for guys that showboat a little too much. But uh, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, so I know that I don't have this on the notes, but I had, I just had to throw this in. Uh, how stupid are these unwritten rules on a scale of nine to ten? It's definitely up there. I don't know why in the major leagues we have to worry as much about hurt feelings, but I agree. Neither yeah, grown men, just, professional athletes. Yeah, that's just me. I, I know that I think I've said it before, but like in terms of arbitration and everything, like that's the stats matter for these players to get paid. So a guy like Mercedes hitting a home run, that's more RBIs and more another home run on his, for his stats. Uh, for arbitration, that matters for him getting paid more. Right. So really by not swinging and worrying about the other team's feelings, rather he's worrying about their feelings rather than his own, uh, his, I guess his own checkbook here. And they're professionals, they're grown men. They, if you have a position player pitching, then you've kind of, in my opinion, you've thrown the unwritten rules out the window. Uh, if you don't want him to hit a home run, then just get him out to pitch better. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. uh, so our last note, item, our last item here is the all-star, the all-star rosters were announced this week. Uh, the Pirates' very own Adam Frazier has made the all-star team as the starting second baseman. Uh, Brian Reynolds also made the team as a reserve. Uh, I really like these two guys. I know that they're probably not going to be around for the next good Pirates team. I know that Frazier isn't for sure. I don't think Reynolds is either. 
that's kind of how far away I think the next good Pirates team is. Uh, but moving on to the to the rosters, is there anybody who you guys think got snubbed from the All Star team? I'll go ahead and uh, lead off here. I, I think you know they wanted to get a hometown home, hometown guy in there with Herman Marquez, and so I definitely think he snubbed at least one of these top end other top end pitchers that um, that are not in there. Like I, I'm thinking of like Max Scherzer, even a young guy that's having a fantastic year, and Freddie Peralta. Um, I mean, those are guys that I would. I'd like to have seen in the start, starting rotation. Yeah, the big one for me was actually Casey Mize because the Tigers representative for the All-Star game is Gregory Soto. Oh, and right, yeah. That's, uh, you know, it, it's pretty bad that uh, you don't know. Like, I, I couldn't even tell you how Soto is doing this year. So it's – um. It's kind of disappointing to yeah, see but, Mize get left out when uh, yeah. he, he's having a pretty good season, and he might he's definitely in consideration for the American League Rookie of the Year. Sorry, go ahead. No, I um, I was just going to say, like, I don't know who I was – I mean, you just said Casey Mize, who the representative for Detroit would be, but I was just going to say, like, I don't know who they would have picked. But, yeah, as soon as you mentioned Mize, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But uh, yeah, there. I, I definitely think there was a good amount of snubs. Uh, a lot of you guys mentioned like Freddie Peralta, uh, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw is another one. I think one that's blatantly obvious and doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. There's actually two. Is Whit Merrifield didn't make an All Star, and. One that I guess does confuse me is Mike Trout got an all-star vote because, I mean, listen, it's Mike Trout. I understand, you know, you're not going to really vote against him. But if Mike Trout can get a first, like a starter vote, then why was Brian Buxton not? Because before Buxton got hurt, he was having a phenomenal year, an MVP type kind of year. So I think for the most part, you know, the teams are all good, but there was definitely a few snubs. Yeah. I think you made a good point there, Mike. I will say with Buxton and Trout, I mean, the Buxton name is nowhere near the, you know, Mike's Trout, Trout's name. Mm. Um, but thinking about that AL outfield, I think Tay Oscar Hernandez is a pretty big surprise for being a starter out there, at least in my opinion. You, and you mentioned what Merrifield, I'm sure he was probably more voted in the second base category, but he's a guy that I would have rather seen out there in the outfield starting for the AL over uh, Tay Oscar. Yeah, there's a couple guys that like could that for the starting lineups anyways. Tay, I think he still could have made the All-Star team, but Tay Oscar right. Hernandez definitely raised the eyebrows when uh when I saw him in the starting lineup. Whit Merrifield and uh Cedric Mullins were two that I thought that Oh yeah, Cedric yeah. should have been in the starting lineup ahead of him. It is interesting what you said about Mike Trout though. Is he kind of got the I guess you could call it like the legacy vote where it's just who he is. So he's an all-star, even though he's been hurt. He's been, he's been good when he's been in, but he's been hurt a lot of the year. So I, I guess yeah. it was kind of confusing to me to see guys like Scherzer and Kershaw, who in theory should also have that not get in. Whereas a guy right. like Trout kind of did, but yeah, those are, those would be my other ones. Chris Bassett I'll throw in there too, was another one who I thought should have gotten it should have gotten in. It's baffling to me that the A's only have one all-star because they're playing Their team is playing pretty well right now. Who is it? Is it Liriano? 
Uh, Matt Olson. Matt Olson's the only one. Oh, Matt Olson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, is there anyone gotcha. who, you, who made the team that you felt was undeserving? Mm, it's tough because making an all-star, you know, it's definitely not the easiest thing to do. Um, as much as I'm a Dodgers fan, Chris Taylor jumps out to me as I'm looking at him right now. Um, I, I honestly personally don't know if he's having a great year or not, but I'm sure that there was other alpha, like Bryce Harper, for example, even though Bryce Harper's been on and off hurt this year, but when he's been in, he's been great. So I think, you know, some of these guys are getting the legacy votes, like you mentioned, Jake. It does confuse me that Bryce Harper wouldn't. And I just say Bryce Harper because he was the first name that came to my head. But, yeah, um, Chris Taylor, I guess, would jump out to me. Nick, did you have anyone in mind? No, I don't think I have anyone in mind. I guess you pinpointed Gregory Soto earlier. I, I'm a little shocked he's in the All-Star lineup for sure. Yeah, he was definitely my big one. I mean, I know that they have to pick somebody from the Tigers, but it, it just seemed what? like. So is that a rule that every MLB team has to be represented? Yeah, every yeah. every team has to have at least one. I think that's totally ridiculous. Yeah, it's and that's what's confusing the... about the. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say that's what's confusing about the Teoscar Hernandez because what Toronto has the most, right? Most All Stars, at least I th they're up there. I know that. Yeah, so... I mean, I think that he, I, I think Teoscar Hernandez is, de is deserving. I'm just, I just definitely don't think he's he should have been in the starting lineup. There's two or three other mm. American League outfielders I thought should have gotten in ahead of him. Yeah. All right, so that wraps us up for this episode. Uh, thanks, guys, for helping me out this week, filling in for Nate. Uh, definitely thanks to Mike, too, for filling in for Jordan as well. Uh, Jordan, with once again, I'll remind everybody, went 5-0 and with his locks this past week. <laughs> definitely very impressive. But, uh, yeah, thanks, guys, for coming on. Any closing thoughts? Winter's I don't coming. have any. <laughs> what did you say, Mike? I said winter is coming. Oh. <laughs> I've been saying it all year. <laughs> I believe we're actually in the heat of summer right now, though. I yeah, know, it definitely doesn't cool. feel I, I like, it's, <laughs> like it's coming. I was going to go to the driving range today, but I stepped out and it was like 88 degrees, so I turned right back around and went back into my air-conditioned house. You yeah, know, yesterday was nice, though. Yesterday, yeah. That was like the best weather 4th of July I can honestly remember in years. America, baby. But, uh, yeah, Jake, thanks America. for having us on. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for coming yeah, on. Appreciate uh, it, man. We, we will see everybody next week. I'm not going to do the outro that Nate usually does because my voice will probably crack. So thanks for <laughs> listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.